This is Nuclear Explained. Welcome to Nuclear Explained. In our very first episode, we explained nuclear's role in fighting COVID-19 and other infectious diseases. Give it a listen if you haven't already. In this episode, we are taking another look at nuclear's role in the health field. This time, we will explain radiotherapy. I'm Joanne Liu. And I am Miklos Gaspar. Radiotherapy is used in the treatment of at least half of all cancer patients globally. Cancer is a leading cause of mortality. It accounted for about 10 million deaths in 2020, or nearly one in six deaths. With radiotherapy, nuclear radiation, also known as ionizing radiation, is applied to harm and destroy cancer tumor cells. In this podcast, health experts from Ghana, Costa Rica, and Egypt will talk about the different forms of radiotherapy and what it takes to provide radiotherapy. To begin, Verna Vanderpoy will tell us more about the basics of radiotherapy. Verna is a clinical oncologist at the National Center for Radiotherapy and Nuclear Medicine in Accra, Ghana. Radiotherapy is the use of ionizing rays or X-rays to actually reduce the size of cancers, either after surgery, without surgery, we're able to use it to treat cancers that have spread to other parts of the body as well, outside of the original site of um, disease. So with ionizing radiation, how does radiotherapy actually work? So what it does is that it breaks the DNA chain and it, it reduces the chance of the cancer multiplying. It doesn't always do that, unfortunately, because a few times you have some repair of this damage. But over the period of time, that's why it's not giving us a one-shot in the curative setting. It ends up to reduce the number of replications and slow down the tumor, at least to reduce the effects of the cancer. But now we know there are various means of detecting cancers early. So we are hoping to get a cure for most cancers with radiation in addition to other therapies. And speaking of other therapies, how do doctors select radiotherapy? So um, I'll say cancer care is now evolving quite fast. As somebody said, it's, it's, it evolves as fast as an app on your phone. <laughs> mm. You know, cancers are best treated with multidisciplinary approach. So multi-pronged approach using the main three elements, systemic therapy, radiation, and surgery in a particular order. So we still have some tumors that respond very well to radiotherapy alone. Uh, like um, uh, early-stage lymphomas, uh, but they're still trying to maximize outcomes so as much as possible. So we know that in terms of cure, you can have at least a good 30% of patients that are cured with radiotherapy right after surgery, and um, much more patients are palliated, and that means you're able to um, slow down the disease, reduce the effects on the body, and sometimes even improve the survival of the uh, patient, even though the patient has metastatic you know, um, disease. Is radiotherapy could be dangerous? It has to be applied um, with evidence, with caution, and in, in enough knowledge. Mm -hmm. And um, we know over the years we have um, improved the craft um, by studying patients. That helps us to guide when we can give, what we can give, to what dose and to one level, and what is considered safe, not just to the patient, to the physician, to the radiation workers, and also to the environment. So we've come a very long way. We know that studies from patients who have received treatment for lymphoma in the old traditional method of treating a large volume of the chest, the females develop lung cancer over the period of time. 
because the, the, the breast was actively growing then, uh, like about 10 to 20% of them developed cancer after 10 to 15 years after. But we've, we've changed that now. We don't treat that big. Now we treat just the small volume of tumor. That's why I said things have really changed with the research. I think where it's more important now is with the children who have certain genomic, uh, um, let's say, inherited diseases, okay? But of course, all that is factored into the treatment guidelines to decide how to sequence the treatments. But it's about a risk and benefit ratio. And but the patients need a lot of education. Right now, there's a lot online, both good and bad, but I think it puts the patient at a better level to understand what you're trying to do. And there's a lot of patient involvement, the psychologist. So things are much better than they, they used to be. But I always say, well, if you want to live 20 years, then it's best to have radiation. Without the radiation, you'll probably live two years. You're listening to Nuclear Explained. Verna brings up a good point about weighing the risk and benefits. Like many technologies and applications, radiotherapy treatment continues to improve and be fine-tuned to lower risks and to maximize benefits. In this segment, Minklosh will find out more about the different types of radiotherapy and the future of cancer treatment. My name is Lisbeth Cordero. I'm a radiation oncologist currently working at the Applied Radiobiology and Radiotherapy section of the EIA. How does radiotherapy fit into the larger picture of comprehensive cancer control? In the first place, radiotherapy has been the, a key pillar for the uh, treatment of uh, cancer patients for over um, many years, representing uh, about 50 to 60% of all cancer patients will indeed, in any part of the treatment, even for a curative or for a palliative intent, will need a radiotherapy treatment. It is very important to always consider in the inclusion of a radiotherapy department in the management of cancer care. We can do many things with radiotherapy, such as preserving organs, uh, like uh, in the case of laryngeal cancer, when you can see that uh, a surgery will definitely uh, get rid of the organ. With radiotherapy, we are able to co preserve the organ and not only the, the anatomical structure, but the function of it as well. So when we think of the curative use of, of, of radiotherapy, what chances does a patient undergoing radiotherapy have for survival? This is a very tricky question because you will find that uh, the level of the how much a patient will cure with radiotherapy will depend on several factors. First of all, the type of tumor. Second of all, where what, where is it in the anatomy located? Is it a uh, head and neck cancer? Is it a breast cancer? Is it a prostate cancer? It depends on how it's located. The cells that are forming the, the, the tumor, the histology of the tumor, these because some cells have a tendency of being more sensitive to radiotherapy than other ones. And also it will depend on the uh, status performance of the patient as well as the stage of the disease, which means how big the tumor is or if it had spread elsewhere from uh, besides the or, uh, organ of origin, all of these aspects will be the ones who will definitely give us a hint about the survival benefit. Let me give you an example. In the case of cervical cancer, which is a very common cancer in women, especially in low and middle income countries, uh, we have that in the year 2020, about 350,000 women died due to the disease. 
worldwide. And now we also know that 70% of these patients that are diagnosed with cervical cancer will eventually need radiotherapy as part of the treatment. So you said that there are 350,000 deaths annually from cervical cancer. How many women are diagnosed with cervical cancer a year? Well, unfortunately, around 650,000 uh, patients per year are diagnosed globally. So that means then that you only have about like a 45% chance of survival on average. Yes. However, that is a good number if we think about the fact that in high-income in, uh, countries, we have a, a, almost none of the patients will die of cervical cancer. Why? Because they have early diagnosis. We have uh, vaccinations, preventive, uh, as a, as a uh, preventive measures. We have access to available treatment. So it's not like we have in low and middle income countries where there is a lack of access for treatment, there is no early detection, and most of the patients are being diagnosed in a very late stage where the disease is already advanced and there is a little bit of chance to cure. This is why in the agency we focused in improving the access to radiotherapy by helping developing countries in the pursuit of this goal. So if we focused in scaling up the radiotherapy, we will be able to save almost 30 million of lives by year 2035. I'd like you to explain brachytherapy to us, how it works, and when is it decided what isotopes are used in the treatment? Brachytherapy is a radiotherapy technique used basically by placing a radioactive source in contact or in the vicinity of the tumor, either by the insertion of uh, needles inside the tumor or by uh, the insertion of tubes that go inside the uterus and inside these tubes and these needles we put radioactive source that stay there for a couple of uh, seconds, minutes and then give the radiation and then we take them out of the patient, like in the case of cervical cancer. The most widely used radioisotopes that we uh, are using now are iridium, and is a cobalt in a miniaturized uh, way regarding what to choose. In this moment, basically, we focused on um, what we call the dose rate, the high dose rate radiotherapy that we are able to uh, deliver with iridium and cobalt sources allows to give this amount of dose in a very short period of time. So it's like a shock therapy to, to a tumor. In a, in a short period of time, high dose, and then you remove the dose so that the rest of the uh, tissues don't get damaged. Exactly. Right? So you mentioned cervical cancer, but if yes. I know correctly, prostate cancer is another area where brachytherapy is yeah. used. Could you tell us about that? Yes, prostate cancer is also very sensitive to um, uh, brachytherapy. There are little seeds that are implanted in the prostate with the use of a transrectal ultrasound and big needles. We put the little seeds inside the prostate and the seeds are radioactive. These ones, as they are not like a shock therapy, but they basically release the radioactive dose, dose little by little. And this way they stay in the prostate and you leave them then there and they do the treatment. Uh, and the patient goes home and lives the normal life. patient goes home and lives, lives the normal life. And how do you see this technology further evolving over the next few years or decades? Whatever uh, technology or whatever cancer treatment for the coming years uh, uh, evolution will always have to 
do with personalized medicine, finding the best way to deliver the highest dose to the tumor without um, compromising the organs at risk or the healthy tissues that surrounds the tumor. Specifically in radiotherapy, the new tendencies are going towards the delivery of these doses in a shorter period of time. In the past years is to treat a prostate cancer, let's say with a radiotherapy, external radiotherapy over 35 sessions, which means patient coming to the department, to the radiotherapy department to get their treatment 35 times, seven weeks of their life with the current treatments that uh, are developing and uh, are being researched uh, on a daily basis now, we are able to offer same results with the same uh, or even lower side effects in let's say five days. And sometimes even in one day treatment. When you mentioned personalized treatment, the way I picture that is if mm -hmm. you and I have the same kind of cancer, everything is the same about it still, you and I will be treated differently because it's personalized. Is that so? And if so, what is that personalization based on? Well, personalization is based basically on the imaging that we get from you. Because your anatomy is different from my anatomy. And if I can see the tumor in a daily basis, I can move according to the response you're having of, uh, of the treatment. With adaptive radiotherapy, we can do this, um, tailor the radiation to the current tumor and not uh, leave it to, to what we expected before. So perhaps another way to call this then is it's like iterative adaptive treatment planning as opposed to planning everything beforehand and carrying it out regardless of what happens. Yes, we are planning ahead of time anyways, but you are adapting your planning and doing it uh, the same way uh, now with all this new access to new technology, imaging that allows us to uh, see in real life what we were not able to see a couple of years ago. You are listening to Nuclear Explained. In this last segment, Tarek Schumann joins us from Egypt to tell us about the status of radiotherapy in his country and what it takes to provide this life-saving treatment. I am professor of radiation oncology uh, at the National Cancer Institute uh, at Cairo University. Can you give us an overview of the status of radiotherapy treatment in your country, in Egypt? Egypt is uh, now about 100 million population. In the last 10 years, uh, we had a very big improvement in the capacity of uh, radiotherapy in the country. So we can now say that we have about 100 uh, machines. What does it take to provide radiotherapy treatment? It's a very big uh, technical speciality. Uh, it needs infrastructure, very big infrastructure for equipment and for uh, personnel. The infrastructure uh, include the uh, treatment machines, which could be uh, linear accelerators or other types of radiation like proton, and the uh, helping machines like the CT simulators and dosimetry uh, machines for quality control, and the uh, running uh, manpower from clinicians to medical physicists 
and uh, technicians. You have about one machine per million in um, Egypt. What did it take to get to that point? In Egypt, we are uh, 27 uh, states. We have uh, at least one center in 24 states. In Cairo by itself, uh, the, there is about uh, 40 uh, centers distributed uh, between uh, governmental and the private sector. So it was a, a very good effort from the government to create a cancer center in each uh, geographical part in, in the country. And uh, also the uh, partnership with the private sector who uh, knows the value of fighting cancer and its importance in the country. This is helped by the universities in, in Egypt. We have now at least a university in each uh, state. And this university always has a cancer center and have the role of training and uh, certification uh, for clinicians and for helping uh, manpower in this field. What percentage of patients can access radiotherapy? All the patients, they have some way to, to access the radiotherapy. But the public sector is more busy than the, the private sector. Are there plans to further expand or support the public sector to help meet the demand? Yes, uh, the problem in the, in the public sector is sometimes the old machines. So although we have uh, 100 machines or over 100 machines, about 60% of them, they need uh, replacement with new Linux and the government uh, is working uh, on that. Also, we need from the government to support the uh, manpower working uh, in the public sectors because they always uh, try to go to the private sector because of the uh, salaries they take is less than the private. So there is like brain drain uh, in the public sectors. Within the last 10 years, there has been a major increase in capacity. And the two main elements needed is the infrastructure and personnel with the older machines and also personnel. How can the agency help um, support you in addressing those challenges? We know that uh, the AA has a uh, long history in fighting cancer. And mm -hmm. uh, Egypt, it is uh, one, one of the first countries in, in, in Africa to uh, collaborate with uh, the agency. One of the earliest uh, projects was the establishment of brachytherapy for gynecological tumors in, in Cairo Center. We uh, got all the support, uh, some of the equipment, uh, training of the personnel, uh, quality control. And uh, since then, we have a very long uh, relationship with the agency, supporting us in uh, quality control uh, guidance, training and in supplying us with equipments, even it's small equipments like dosimetry. So uh, we work also with the uh, AIA in very important part, which is the research protocols. Lastly, three years ago, we applied uh, for the agency to be a, a collaborative center. Uh, and this is the only center in Africa which is uh, work with the agency as a, a collaborative center. This will uh, increase the expert missions, training, research protocols, helping other African uh, states in training. 
Cancer treatment does not look the same around the world. Like Tarek mentioned, it requires quite an investment in infrastructure and human resources. The IAEA recognizes this gap, specifically in low- and middle-income countries, where over 70% of cancer deaths are expected to occur. In cooperation with the WHO, the IAEA has helped countries fight cancer for six decades. Earlier this year, the IA's efforts expanded with the Rays of Hope initiative. Working with both the private and public sectors, this new initiative focuses on increasing access to radiotherapy in countries and regions most in need. Visit IAEA.org slash Rays of Hope to learn more about this initiative. Interesting fact, our bodies are naturally radioactive because we eat, drink, and breathe radioactive substances that are naturally present in the environment. We hope that you have enjoyed today's show. Subscribe to Nuclear Explained to learn more about the world of nuclear and how nuclear is integrated in our daily lives. Go to iaea.org forward slash podcasts for more information and resources related to this episode and more. Have a question or want to share feedback? Send us a voice recording or write to us at nuclearexplained at iaea.org. I'm Joanne Liu. And I am Miklos Gaspar. Thanks for joining us. You have been listening to Nuclear Explained.